Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. I have a wonderful guest on the show here today. I've got Mr. Mark Amtower. Mark, before we hop in and talk about being a subject matter expert and how you kind of go about building that platform, why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, Michael, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been involved in government contracting for a long time. I opened Amtower and Company in January of 1985, and I advised companies on all aspects of marketing to the government. So I've morphed several times from the king of direct mail, you know, sev- several morphs, you know, 95, yeah. this email thing comes along, early 2000s, Web 2.0, 2003, LinkedIn starts, you know, so the whole social thing. So I've been trying to stay at or near the cutting edge of what works in government marketing for uh, <laughs> 37 years. Wow, that, that's awesome. You know, and I think it's what's really cool about that is people are always talking to me. And I, I read a post this morning about this. So it's coming at me from all these angles about marketing and sales and what works and what doesn't. And it's funny when you start to go back to the basics of direct marketing and direct mail, there's a lot of foundational principles in that stuff. Because in order to make somebody sift through 12, 13 pieces of mail and choose yours to read it, you've got to stand out from the crowd, right? Yes. You've got to stand out from the crowd or you're just going in the trash. And it's the same thing on the online stuff, on the emails, whether you are you know, sending something blind to a contracting officer that you've never met, having a conversation with these people. You know, we were talking yesterday on, uh, I do this thing with Carol Bernard over at Govology, and we were doing this this issue yesterday and talking 
about how, uh, you know, there's there's certain things that are misinformation in the market and different things. And one of the, the, we landed on this one piece where we were talking about, you know, what goes in your capability statement and how some people would say your status should go first. So, you know, I'm an SDVOSB, whatever. And, you know, you and I are, are traditional marketers and we're like, that doesn't go first. Your value is not your status. And, you know, and, and just how some people just lack that marketing background. And so I think to see what you've seen really lends so much credibility to how you establish yourself in this market and then how you go about the marketing. So our topic today, we're going to be talking about building an SME platform. What I thought would be interesting to hear from you out of the gate a little bit is number one, like why you should build an SME platform. When a contract comes out or when the government is looking to buy something, they don't want to hire, you know, the lowest common denominator. They're looking for people that know their stuff. They're looking for companies that are specialized or they're looking for companies that have subject matter experts because they don't want to screw up their project. Mm -hmm. They, they want you know, someone who is considered to be among the best at what they do, helping them resolve whatever issues they have. This this is also why oftentimes agencies will employ a third party to help them make determinations on this. That mm. that company will be excluded from bidding, but there's companies that specialize in helping uh, agencies select vendors, build that uh, that proposal so you're getting exactly what you want. And if if you are not clearly enunciating either as a company or an individual what you bring to the table, you're simply one of many. Mm. And sometimes that many can be thousands. Yeah. You know, that that's a really great point. We were again, talking about that just recently in the office where people always say there's the myth of if I just get my SDVOSB, if I just get my 8A, it's going to make all the difference. And I'm like, well, there might be 5,000 8As that do what you do. So just having your 8A, just having your SDVOSB, your WSB, whatever it may be, that is not what separates you from people. And that's not an expertise, if you will, right? That's just something you have that helps check a box for people. But, you know, it, it's it's much deeper than that. So here's a question that was rolling around in my mind last night as I was thinking about this episode was, how do I, as an individual who's, maybe I've worked 5, 10, 15 years in the market. Now I'm running my own business and I want to establish myself as a subject matter expert. Where do I start to build this platform? Well, oftentimes it can start with something as simple as a SWOT analysis. What do you do best? Who are the competitors to what you do? What differentiates you from these people? How hard are you willing to work to become one of the best at what you do? Nobody is the best. That just doesn't happen. But to be among the best um, requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of self-analysis and it requires a lot of discipline because, mm -hmm. you know, you and I have run across the, uh, the situation where a company's coming into the market. They'll call you and they'll say, Michael, I'm ready to get into this market. And you'll go, who do you want to sell to? And they'll go, the government. The government. That's um, right. <laughs> you know, what do you do? Whatever they want, you know, the five person company that's a systems integrator with 93 NAICs, you know, no, two or three NAICs, you want a product service code so you can narrow it down. What do you do best? What do you bring to the table? What does the government need? What's trending that you can do and you can build, you know, a, a strength in? 
Yeah, I, I think that's super important. And, you know, when I'm having those initial conversations, I always also ask, what do you like? You know, what are you passionate about? What are you actually going to naturally learn about in your off time versus, hey, this is going to be a chore to do it, but I can make money at it. So yeah, I'll go ahead and do this because I, I think what, this is just my opinion of myself here, right? So take it for the grain of salt that it is. I feel that what makes me great at what I do is the fact that I love it so much. I really enjoy the nuts and the bolts and all of the little things and I enjoy getting better at it and working on it. It's not a chore for me. It's not something that I wake up and go, gosh, I can't believe I got to go in the office and, you know, interview Mark Amtower this morning about that. Like, I'm like excited about it and I enjoy it, even though we may screw it up and have to re-record it type of thing, which, hey, this is our second take. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, I enjoy going through all of this stuff and and the people and everything involved. And I think there's contractors that say, I, I could do one of six things and I asked them, which one do you love? And they're like, none of them. I hate them well, all. That, that, that's just, a, you know, the key elements of subject matter expertise are not simply that deep current knowledge on a particular subject, but sharing that knowledge, making it understandable, enjoying what you do and letting it show, and then sharing that information frequently. Blogs, LinkedIn articles, uh, you know, bylined articles in pubs, podcasts, video, you know, whatever it takes. You got to share it because what's going to happen when you share is people are going to comment on it and they're going to push your limits. Okay. Mm. If you don't have people pushing back and saying, but what about this? You're not going to grow. So the, 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 the one other element is networking with other subject matter experts. That's why I like getting on, you know, your, your, uh, podcast. That's why I like talking to Josh, uh, you know, any, any number of people that I, I network with. If I'm not talking to a half a dozen people a week on zoom, or, you know, at least on the phone, my brain starts to atrophy. But that enjoyment factor, you're dead on. If you if you're if you don't enjoy it, you're gonna bore the hell not only out of your audience, you're gonna bore the hell out of yourself. And there's nothing worse than that. I mean, it's bad enough you're doing it to yourself. Now you're gonna do it at, at scale, right? And yeah. bore people at scale. And I think it shows, you know, there's people that you're like, Yeah, they really don't enjoy this. My um my daughter has this one teacher and I'll throw her name out here. She's retired. Her name is Annie Walsh. And one of the best third grade teachers I've ever seen in my life. And when I walked out of the room after we first met her, I told my kids, I said, that's how you know somebody loves what they're doing. I look at how lit up she was and excited she was, not only to meet the children, but the parents. And I've known that woman for probably a decade now, and I've never seen her where she wasn't like that. Always just lit up, loving every moment of it. And you're like, man, I really want all my kids to have this teacher. And because again, it just, it shows of of the excitement level that they have. And so I think that flows over into the business side. So when I'm building the platform, I think there's so many options options. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about LinkedIn. Do you have a recommendation for, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to establish myself as this SME. I've done the SWOT analysis. I've picked a few things that I'm going to focus on, but I'm so overwhelmed with, should I start a YouTube channel? Should I start a blog? Should I start posting on LinkedIn native? Like where, where does somebody start and where, what kind of guidance do you have for them on that? Well, you know, that part, um, you know, what 
are you comfortable doing? Are you a good speaker? I don't know if you've ever had speaking coaching. I have. Uh, I I used to curse a tremendous amount when I spoke, and it it took my uh, my coach about two years to cure me of that. Different story, but I I was still able to engage the audience because I had the passion. I just was irritating a few people by being a little too colorful. Do you speak well? Do you write well? If you don't write well, but you speak well, get Dragon Naturally Speaking, a voice recognition tool, relatively inexpensive, and start recording stuff and turn it into written content. But, you know, a blog's pretty easy to do, but if you don't have a blog on your website, start posting on LinkedIn. Start curating other people's stuff, commenting on that, posting articles, and then putting your spin on it. Your point of view is really your differentiator when it comes to your subject matter expert platform. So what is your spin on these things? Are, are, are you able to recognize a fad or are you able to determine early whether or not that's going to trend into something that'll morph into part of the market? These are all key things, but your ability to communicate that during the process, you have a lot of options. If you're not photogenic uh, and, and uh, I don't know how to phrase it, but you know, you might not want to do a YouTube channel, right? So I don't do TV. I do a lot of podcasts. I've been on the radio for 15 years, but when people ask me a question when I'm on air, I close my eyes and it looks like I'm nodding off. So I, I tend to, I tend to avoid that. How do you best communicate? Can you write? Can you speak? You know, and, and take it from there, but you have to start generating a content. You have to start building a reputation and an audience. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that about, you know, putting your spin on it. And because sometimes there's so much content out in the market, you really can just leverage what's out there to start, you know, making a name for yourself. If you look at a lot of what I would consider the, the political pundits, if you will, that's really all a lot of them do. All they're doing is giving their take on what other people said or did. That's their whole career. And then they write a book about it. And that's it's a upcoming I don't know. I guess over the last, what, 15, 20 years, that's become really, really popular for people to do. It's super easy to start a YouTube channel. So a lot of people can go that route, but there's a lot of different ways they can do it. So in the government, is there a particular type of content that you would say is more popular than the other? Because I know that's some people are thinking, well, I want to go the route that's the most popular. You've kind of given us some clues about, you know, based on, you know, what you like and, and are most comfortable with. But is there a particular type of content that you try to drive people to? No, it, you know, it really depends on the age of your audience. And when you're talking government employees, that can go anywhere from early 20s to mid to late 60s. So mm. if you're going after a senior level employee, they'll probably tend to be older. So think Think traditional methods. Think written because they aren't as likely to download a podcast. And I mean, some of them certainly will, but hard copy blogs, posts, e-newsletters. You can take a piece of content and reformat it, reshare it in multiple forms. So you can take a white paper, turn it into a podcast, turn it into a blog post. You know, so repurposing your content is key in order to to hit the sweet spot for whatever audience member you want. There's there's too many different ways that people absorb content, but the one thing that they all share is a short attention span. 
plan. Yes. So you can't go, you know, if, if you have an idea and you can communicate it in 300 words, great. If you've got it up to 2,000 words, you need some serious editing. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the the old saying of, well, how well do you understand it if it takes you that long to explain it? And uh, I don't remember if it was you or somebody I was talking to recently, and they said, well, I can explain what I do, but it's probably going to take me three hours. And it's like, yeah, the, you don't either understand it very well or you haven't gone through the process of articulating it. And I think that's where, you know, folks like yourself can come in really handy of being that ear to sit on the other side and listen and say, okay, you talked for four four hours with me, but here's what you said in these three bullet points. Am I on target? <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's what yeah. you said. One key to thought leadership subject matter expertise is to be able to explain complex ideas to a, an, a less educated audience. And that means shorter bullets, not longer bullets and, you know, clarity. Yeah, no, that's a big factor. So talk to me a little bit about, so I'm building my, my SME platform. I'm using a combination of blogging videos, all this kind of stuff. And now I'm going to dive into the social media side of it, or we know that LinkedIn is the right place for government folks. So some tips, tricks on properly using LinkedIn to establish yourself as an SME. The first thing is to make sure your profile reflects your status properly. So we've all seen profiles that offer little or no information, uh, where the headline is your job title, where the background is the default mode. So fully expand your profile to clearly show what you bring to the table and who you bring it to. So I've, I've got a client that specializes in uh, Pax River Navy. So it's NOCAD. So all of their profiles reflect that. And they're a small company, but they, you know, they do a lot of business in Southern Maryland through Pax River. And they've done that because they, they focus. They've got three areas of expertise. So they're doing that right. They communicate through their profiles, through their content, what they bring to their audience. And, you know, it's a relationship driven market. So they build those relationships. So for, for you, you've got to consider, you know, your LinkedIn activity starts with a profile, then you've got to start defining and reaching out to the key people that you're trying to reach. So again, go back to the all government versus targeted thing. If you're focusing on a particular agency, you know, look them up on LinkedIn. Uh, I've identified 310 different operating units of the federal government that are listed as companies. So, you know, like there's 30 of them for the army. So it's not just U.S. Army. There's major components of the army that have company profiles. That means you can find their employees there. You've got to start looking at those people, following those people, setting up a reason to reach out and connect. Just don't send the form letter, but put it in context. Here's who we are. Here's what we do. I'd love to have you in my network. And when it's convenient for you, let's let's have a short chat. So you're building those relationships. But you're absolutely right. LinkedIn has more than 2.1 million feds on it. All federal agencies, including the IC, are there. So you're, a you're able to identify pretty much any key personnel you need to. But then, you know, if they start looking at you, if they start looking at your profile, if they start reading your stuff and liking it or commenting on it, then you've really start, you know, you're 
audience building process. Anytime anybody comments on anything that I write, I comment back. I want to acknowledge that they've said something to me about my stuff. That's what builds an audience. And that's a very incremental process. I like that. And I think a lot of the steps that people need to take are so simple and so small that they tend to not only overlook them, but think that, hey, this is not important or this is, you know, or or how is this going to build what I'm trying to build? And, you know, the last thing out of your mouth there, it's an incremental process. None of this stuff happens with one post. The, you know, people are always (laughs) talking about like the viral thing, right? That's the big thing is like, well, how do I get it to go viral? I don't know. You post 4,000 things and one of them goes viral. You know, yeah, like, I mean, you can't I, I have I have over 180 articles on LinkedIn and Lord knows how many separate posts. But, you know, how many of those articles have generated more mm-hmm. than a couple of thousand views? Maybe three. Do I know the magic formula? No. So a lot of it is just pure dumb luck. Is your is your topic timely? Are you getting other people to share it? But again, Once you build that audience, then you can rely on a certain number of people reading it and a certain number of people sharing it and then a percentage of those people actually commenting on it. Yeah. I was just going to say all of those things help to drive traffic. I've talked to a lot of people about this. It's the the concept of trying to create a masterpiece is is what I had to get out of early on in content creation because we're content creators at heart and there is like this initial, I don't know how to describe it well here, but I'll do my best. There, There is this desire to create the best piece of content you can. And that desire often has you go down this rabbit hole of you're trying to get the right words and you're doing this and doing that. And I had a CEO that used to do this when we put out a press release and I'd be like, we're a $5 million company. How many people you think are watching this press release? But he would go back and forth back and forth on like three to five words that he didn't like in the press release. And I'm like, just put the dang thing out, man. It doesn't matter. There's, you know, and then you eventually put it out and there's like, you know, 80 people read the thing or whatever it is and nobody comments on it. And so it's just one of those things we're trying to put out there to to kind of generate some buzz. And so the same thing with content, we're so consumed with trying to create this masterpiece that we put out little or no content. And that to me is worse than putting out content that's good. It's solid. It has a, uh, you know, it has merit. It has something that people can look at and just putting it out. I mean, I turn out a lot of content on my end and it's just, and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. And, you know, I, I, I find that to be a better strategy than just painstakingly sitting in the lab, if you will. <laughs> You know, looking over every ounce of this thing, like it's again, like it's your, you know, your your ninth symphony or something. Right. But the other factor to putting out something good and relatively quickly, when I write something, I know exactly what I'm trying to say. That doesn't necessarily mean I've accomplished that task. Hmm. So I always have somebody else look at it first and say, "Am, am I on target? And, you know, I prefer to get somebody in the market to do it. But my daughter edits a lot of my stuff. She's an English teacher. So she gets my grammar correct. She makes sure the logic's correct. But every now and again, she'll catch a nuance and say, Dad, did you really mean this? And I'm going, (laughs) I didn't say that. And she go, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's too that's, funny. That second set of eyes, can, and you know, your your former CEO. No, uh, you know, perfectionism kills anything. 
So go ugly early. Get it the hell out. Yeah, I like that go ugly early. So uh, any final thoughts for people that are trying to build their SME platform and whether it's they don't know where to start or they're into it a little bit and they're frustrated that they're not getting the the traction they want from it well i mean first of all if you have problems call me the main thing here is understand it is an incremental process it is a process that requires dedication hmm. from you from your team whether you're doing the company SME or the individual SME. it it is all incremental and your audience has to come first so who are you writing to are you making sure everything you are putting out to them is germane to them and get back to the clarity aspect are you taking a complex idea if so make sure it's clear to your audience when you're done with it you know it it is a process it is it's a process that brings tremendous rewards both emotional rewards and financial rewards if you do it well and you like what you're doing no, that's great advice. No, I really appreciate that. So thanks for coming on and talking about all this today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll have you on pretty soon to talk about something else in the marketing realm. We could do a whole you know, podcast series probably on marketing to people and like what to say and how to say it. Maybe that's the next podcast you and I should do uh, on like maybe some script writing for these people. Because I'll tell you again, I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I'm just like, what are you doing? Why, are, why is this the first thing out of your mouth? And why? is this in your script and things like that so maybe that's what we should do next i don't know but but thanks for coming on and talking about this and it's been really helpful always a pleasure michael thanks for listening to game changers for government contractors for a full list of episodes and other resources be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers